Well, listen, we are in week 45 of the book of Romans. In fact, I'm going to finish. I told you last week I may not finish, but we're actually going to finish today. 45 weeks in the book of Romans. Is that good news? Okay. All right. I mean, I could stretch it out a little bit longer, but uh, 45 weeks in the book of Romans. We're right in the middle of chapter 16, last chapter of Romans. So go ahead and open up your Bibles or your smart device, however you're following along. Also, our church app has all my sermon notes, has my sermon notes in there for, for today. This morning's message is remain vigilant. We see Paul closing out this letter, which is now the book of Romans, to the church in Rome. And we're going to see a couple of things that are intriguing some instruction by Paul, and also some encouragement. So we start with verse 17 of Romans chapter 16. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, Paul says, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them, Paul says. For such persons do not serve our Lord, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, They deceive the hearts of the naive. And he continues, verse 19, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent and uh, as to what is evil. Be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. And so last week, we got a glimpse of kind of a different aspect of Paul's personality in the first section of chapter 16 of Romans. And I I gave kind of a scenario for you to consider, and and, and I'll rephrase it again today. Uh, Think about this. If you were, and this is what I stated last week, if you found out you were going to spend an entire day with the Apostle Paul, I think most people would be intimidated by that, and certainly they'd feel the need to maybe prepare theologically in case he popped a pop, few pop ki- quizzes throughout the day. And, um, you know, theology, theo meaning God, ology, the study of or science, and so theology is, is the study of, of God. And uh, the Apostle Paul, such an astute intellectual man of God, certainly, as I said, you'd possibly be intimidated, but we learned something about his personality last week that demonstrated that he's very much a people person. He loved people. In fact, he was willing to be stoned and locked up for the sake of the gospel so people can hear the truth of God's word. So we got a a glimpse of that with the Apostle Paul, but now we get back to some instruction at near the end of the chapter in verses 17 through 19, and we see something different in Paul, what I would call, and this is my point number one this morning, Paul's shielding heart, his protectiveness, his protecting heart. He, he loves the people of God, and he wants to protect them, so he gives them some insight about how to treat those who are divisive. And he pa- lays out a couple of Uh, protective measures, I would call them, uh, that the church 
needs to embrace. And he's primarily talking about and to those who he, he uh, describes as being naive in the Lord. Being naive in the Lord's not a bad thing. If you're a new believer, it's not such a bad thing. If you've been a believer, a Christian for 20 or 30 years, and you're still uh, ignorant to some of God's teachings and stuff, then, then it poses a problem. But Paul states in verse 17, he says, watch out for. He says, watch out for those. Uh, keep an eye on them is what he's saying. Watch out for those who cause divisions. And, and I would say, what kind of divisions is Paul referring to? Uh, he says obstacles contrary to the doctrine. Mature believers are to keep an eye on those who cause dissensions or hindrances within the body of Christ, the church. Paul's not talking about uh, hair splitting over minor interpretations or about immature believers who are divisive, just they're not mature in the faith yet. They don't understand that Jesus requires peace and harmony. He's not talking about the, the minor things, the major things. Keep the main thing the main thing. The major things like who Jesus is, the nature of Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. He's the Son of God. He's 100% God. The Trinity. Somebody would say, or you've heard this say, well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Well, it most certainly is, is expressed all throughout the New Testament. We've got evidence of that throughout the New Testament. Remember when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan by his cousin John? Did you know John was his cousin? And he was baptized. We had the Son of God. Being baptized, he comes up out of the water, and you hear the Father, Father God, say, this is my Son, who I'm well pleased, and then the Holy Spirit as a dove. So you had the triune God there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, and three personages or persons, the concept of Trinity. And you might say, well, I don't really, I don't understand the Trinity, and so therefore I can't really be become a Christian. I don't understand creation, so therefore I can't understand creation. Well, what do you believe? I would ask. And I hear sometimes people say, well, I believe in evolution. I believe that the Big Bang Theory, that just there was nothing, and then all of a sudden there was something. I heard one preacher say, yeah, you believe in there once was uh, oo, and then goo, and now you. I think it takes more faith to believe that than to believe in a higher power as the 12-step programs declare. That higher power, by the way, is Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so majoring on the major things, the things that have to do with salvation. Paul's talking about this, the, the doctrine, not deviating from the Word of God. We have different interpretations of eschatology, don't we? End times. Some people believe that Jesus is coming back before the seven-year tribulation, before the Antichrist is, is, uh, comes to the forefront. They're pre-tribulation in, in their theology. Others believe in uh, mid-tribulation. It's going to be sometime during this great seven-year tribulation. 
where there's going to be a one-world global government, one currency. They're talking about that right now. And, and that the rapture will take place in that midstream during that time. Others believe that uh, the rapture will take place after the seven-year tribulation. They're post-tribulation in, in theology because they believe that there needs to be a winnowing, uh, 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 that you go through that difficult time to, to see if you really are a person of faith, that you'll refuse the mark of the beast. And there's various uh, degrees that spin off from each one of those. But I would consider those things minor in the sense of salvation because you can believe in pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pan-trib, whatever it is. You know what pan-trib is, right? It's all going to pan out anyway. But wherever you fall on that, it has nothing to do with your salvation. It really doesn't. And, And... Paul's really talking about the major issues. But in Titus, he's writing to Titus, and I have this on the screen. He says in Titus 3.9, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and dissensions and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. And wouldn't you say over the last number of years, things have been really divisive? Everything has. I've seen families split up over different various views and whatnot. And it's just a shame. And and Paul says, just avoid those controversies and those quarrels. He says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, he says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they they breed quarrels. I'll never forget I was a, a young believer And lo and behold, I heard this at the front. I don't know if if you're online, if you could hear me. I'm knocking on the podium and and simulating a knock on the front door. We didn't have a peephole to see who it was. I opened the door. There were two guys standing there with books in their hand. They were Jehovah Witnesses. And I was young in the faith. I was excited about the faith, and certainly I was excited about talking to others who were interested in talking about things about the Lord. And, and maybe that's where I made my first mistake. I'm young in the faith, really didn't know anything. And I told them everything I knew in about three seconds. Okay? And they chewed me up and spit me out. I, I'll never forget that I felt ashamed Um, I was really upset about the whole thing after they left because I thought, man, I believe in Christ. I gave my heart to Christ, and I can't even defend Jesus. And so that that bad experience actually motivated me to really dig dig in deep to God's Word and find out what I believed, to find out who Jesus was. And, And And really, the interesting thing, and maybe you've experienced this, have you ever been with someone or talked with somebody and they're sharing something about Scripture or something about the Lord and it doesn't sit right with you? It's off. That's the Holy Spirit. Even as a young believer, I knew many of the things that these two Jehovah Witnesses were saying were not accurate according to Scripture. Even as a young believer, not really knowing Scripture, it didn't feel right. It, it, and that was the, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the Holy Spirit revealing to me kind of red flag, red flag, red flag. Have you ever had that happen? It's interesting. That's God's Spirit ministering to you to keep you on the right path. Our text today 
Paul is really talking about some serious theological, uh, doctrinal things that somebody would try to steer you into a direction that's contrary to the Word of God, contrary to the apostolic teaching, contrary to the teachings of Jesus. And he says, keep your eye on such men, Paul says. In other words, mark them out as false teachers who are to be opposed and avoided. He uses a word when he says, keep an eye on them, a phrase. He uses the word skapeo. Can you say that? Skapeo. It's a Greek word. And in in, in, in that word skapeo, the noun form of that word, is where we get the word scope in the word telescope or scope in the word microscope. So Paul's not just saying to the recipients of this letter, to just kind of glance over and just make a mental note that there's someone, a potentially dangerous individual who's bringing false teaching into the church. He's telling us that we need to really zero in on them and make note of who they are, examine them. It's a deeper look. It's a deeper observation that we make using that word skepeo. And and Christians are to make a mental note of those who are off base. Certainly those who know the word and have been trained and, and we have individuals who have certain calls to ministry of apologetics, that's defending the faith. Not, the, not that the faith needs defending, but there are those who are well equipped. We have individuals we've had at our church here like Ray Comfort who goes around and he defends the faith. You'll Google him and see some of his videos and he does a wonderful job. Back early in my uh, Christian walk, there was a gentleman named Dr. Walter Martin, and he was an apologist, and he wrote a book called The Kingdom of the Cults, and he was an apologist, and he defended the faith. And no surprise, individuals like I just mentioned are well capable of defending the faith and, and getting into even what you would call or classify as debates. But Paul's referring here to those who are naive, maybe young in the faith, that aren't ready for that. Just be careful. And certainly those in the church that are aware of, of people who have, are, are bent towards pulling people away from the church, uh, pulling them into uh, false teachings and things to really keep an eye on those individuals, a very close eye, and, and, and be very careful. He says... Uh, and, and be very careful to avoid them. So number one, we keep an eye on them, a very close eye, scapeo kind of eye, and then we're to avoid them. Uh, John MacArthur said heretics are to be spurned. That's just, just avoid them. And, and then third, Paul says, be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Boy, I could go into kind of a spinoff, which I'm not, a whole message about how we've robbed a young generation of their innocence by the exposure they have to so many things that aren't healthy. He says, be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Man, can I, can I make a confession to you? Here's my confession. When I'm in the Word of God, 
I'm not a big touchy-feely guy, but when I'm in the Word of God, it just makes me feel good. When I spend time with the Word of God in the mornings, I know that I've started my day out right. That's my confession. I know you're hoping for something juicy. <laughs> but when I spend time in the Word of God, it just, it, it, you know you're in the zone. You know you're in God's will. He wants us to spend time with Him. And He speaks to us through His Word. And, and I, be wise about what is good. That is good. Spending time in God's Word. In my newsletter this last week, I sent it out on Friday. So many of you got it on Friday, and you, some of you haven't opened it up yet. And I know when you get home, that's the first thing you're going to do. I wrote about the illiteracy in America. Only 9% of people read the Bible. And they, Barna did a, a, a survey and a poll just among Christians, people that claim to be Christian. Not, mer- not very many people are getting into the Word of God, and you wonder why we have so many issues and challenges and problems today. So Paul says to avoid those who teach uh, contrary to the Word of God. He says be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And then we see an echo of this from Jesus in Matthew 10. I have it on the screen, verse 16, where Jesus says, Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as dove. Some versions say be as wise as serpents and and as gentle as a dove. Snakes, serpents, it's all the same thing. So Paul gives this what I would call no-nonsense, right-to-the-point advice when we're dealing with the people but he does this out of this character he has of love so he loves people but he's also protective aren't you protective of those you love and I believe mature seasoned believers should be protective of young in the faith believers to help them along when you really love people as much as Paul loved the Romans you protect them You protect them. And so the right response Paul gives us, certainly and especially for young, naive, immature believers, which is not a bad thing if you're a young Christian. If you've been a Christian for a long time and you're still uh, not very versed, that could be a problem. But for young, naive Christians, avoid those who are divisive divisive and then we transition to something that I want to share with you that Paul brings to light the authority that you and I have in Christ is is amazing it's amazing and I framed it in point number two where I say Satan is crushed can you say that Satan is crushed he's crushed by what Jesus did on the cross He died on the cross. He took on our sins. He took the authority of of sin and death from Satan. And he rose from the grave on the third day. And we have that resurrection power, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, flowing through your veins. Paul articulates it like this 
in Romans 16.20. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It's reminiscent of what the author of Genesis said after the fall, that the serpent would be crushed under the feet. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So Paul is saying that the God of peace is with you in relation to God's permanent, permanent, permanent. Can you say permanent? Permanent Permanent victory over Satan. He's lost. He's crushed. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to be succumbed to sin. You have victory over sin, victory over death through what Christ did on the cross. It's a what they say nowadays as a done deal in Jesus Christ. And again, I say Paul uses that figure that was used in Genesis 3.15. That's an encouraging word to me. That's an encouraging word to us. The Lord will crush Satan under our feet. The feet of God's people. He's crushed. He has no triumph over Christ. Jesus has triumphed over Satan. What a great, marvelous, wonderful encouragement to our soul, especially in a time where so many are living in fear right now. We don't have to live in fear. We can live in the victory that Christ gives us. And you don't really tap into embrace that that victory until you really dig deep and get into God's word spend time with the Lord in his word and in in prayer and you realize that God gives peace if you're suffering from anxiety and stress if you're worried about the future of the uncertainty of everything spend time with the Lord the Holy Spirit will bring peace Jesus said peace I give unto thee Don't put all your eggs in one basket and and hope that through a political pundit, news, an entity, an organization is going to save you or make things better. It's Jesus. It's the Lord that we need. And, And then my last and final point is this. Paul has this contagious soul. He, he really does. He's, he's having this letter drafted to be sent to the Christians in Rome. Last week we learned something quite extraordinary. Phoebe, in that litany of names, the first part of chapter 16, he mentions Phoebe. It was Phoebe, the woman of God, who carried the letters that what we have now is the book of Romans to the church in Rome. What a great responsibility. God uses women and men. What a great, can you imagine? Here, I want you to carry these letters. What, what is it? Well, it's, it's a letter to the Romans that becomes canonized in Scripture. It's amazing. So Paul has this contagious Soul, and I, I kind of picture a scene. Soul, and I'm here in these next few verses in chapter 16 as Paul nears the end of 
dictating his letter to the Romans. His, his friends are gathered around him. And, and uh, they're in the home of Gaius. And Tertius is, is writing. He's dictating. Paul's dictating to Tertius. He's writing uh, Paul's words. Timothy and Jason and Lucius is there. And Sosipater. They, they all get around Paul. And they're excited. You know, this letter is going to be delivered by by Phoebe to the church, the believers in Rome. And they're sitting around Paul, and he's coming to this conclusion. And they're kind of want, wanting to get into it, get involved with it by saying, hey, give them my greetings. Tell them I said hello. You know, they didn't have text messaging or, or messenger or, or any of those kinds of things. And so they're gathered around him. And you'll see what I mean in verse 21. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So does Lucius and Jason. And Sassipater, my kinsmen. You know, so you just kind of visualize them sitting around Paul and, hey, make sure you tell him I said hello. Yeah, me too. And, uh, and that, then he says, and I, Tertius, who wrote this letter. And some of you might be surprised, like, Tertius wrote Romans? Well, he was the scribe who Paul dictated to. How cool is that? Can you imagine being related to him? Like, yeah, my great, 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 great grandfather actually wrote the book of Romans. I mean, he was the scribe. Paul wrote it. Paul dictated it, and, and he wrote it down. I, Tertius, wrote this letter. Greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me. And so Paul's in Gaius's home with all these individuals, these great men of God around him, uh, sending out these greetings. Erastus, the city treasurer. Oh, Christians should not get involved in politics or such civil matters. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greet you. So we have some distinguished individuals here who are getting in on the excitement of this closing of this letter in chapter 16. And so now the book of Romans ends with this beautiful they call it a doxology it's a conclusion praising God for what he's done through his son Jesus Christ what a beautiful glorious picture of who Jesus is in in just a few verses I'll read it to you I have it on the screen Romans 16 25 through 27 it says now to him talking about Jesus now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the ministry uh, of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages Paul's describing this mystery of who the Messiah is that was written about prophesied about in the Old Testament that nobody knew about many of the Jews are still waiting for who the Messiah is. They're waiting for the Messiah. And Paul says, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for a long ages, but has now been disclosed. And through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. That's Jesus, by the way. According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So, amen. Paul brings this to a close. We just finished chapter 16. We finished the entire book after 45 weeks of studying the book of Romans.
And Paul brings it to a, to a conclusion describing the wonder and the beauty of who the Messiah is. That which was secret and unknown has now been disclosed in the Son of God. His name is Jesus. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. Jesus said himself, the only way to the Father is through the Son. Jesus is the way. As I said earlier, some people have a hard time, a difficult time, understanding things about nature, about creation, about the things that God has done. And yes, it's difficult to understand many things, but there's going to be a day when we're with the Lord, we'll know everything. I was talking the other day with my mother-in-law, Pastor Neil. He's in heaven right now. Neil, uh, primarily, I think, and this is my opinion, uh, the last end or season of his life, he was very interested in eschatology, end times. Loved to talk about it. And I'm thinking now, he knows exactly when Jesus is, you know, he knows what's going to, he knows everything. Because the Bible says when you're in heaven, you're going to know all. And he knows how it's all going to play out. And I'm excited about that. Um, Paul closes this letter with such beautiful writing about who Jesus is. And it makes me think about all those that we know, our friends, our family that don't know the Lord makes me think about those who do know the Lord, but they're not walking with the Lord. Their, their faith somehow has been distracted, hijacked, and they're not walking in God's best. They're not experiencing the abundant joy and peace that God has. They've maybe bought into without even realizing the lies of the enemy, that they're not worthy, that they can't amount to anything. They can't do anything significant. Those are all deceptive lies from the enemy, don't you know? So as we close the service, I want to give those who maybe have bought into or tapped into, not even obviously, not willingly, to the lies of the enemy about who you are. Listen, if you're a Christian, you're one of the king's kids. So there may be somebody here this morning there may be few that need to rededicate their life to the Lord. Just get back on track with Jesus. There may be somebody here who doesn't know whether or not they're going to spend eternity in heaven. Today, you can know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven by giving your heart to Jesus. And I want to give you that opportunity right now. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to ask two things. For those of you you're not certain that you'd go to heaven if you were to die. God has a heavenly home for you if you would make Jesus your Lord and Savior. The blessing of having all your sins forgiven through Christ as you come to the Lord, acknowledging Him as Lord and Savior is available to you right now. And I want to pray for you. Those who would rededicate their life to the Lord, get back on track and walk in God's will and purpose for your life. I want to give you that opportunity. As your heads are bowed, and your eyes are closed this morning. If you're outside in the courtyard, if you're watching online with us this morning, this is the most important thing you could possibly do is, is to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
The Bible says today's the day for salvation. Today is the day for salvation for you. Would you pray this prayer to give your heart to Jesus, to make him your Lord and Savior? Repeat after me. Would you pray this out loud? Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask you for forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. For those of you who are rededicating your life, just pray this. Jesus, I come to you. I rededicate my life to you this morning. You are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that every time a soul comes to faith in Christ, the angels in heaven rejoice. So that's why we lift up a, a great applause. We join in with the, he the heavenly angels when we do so. If you invited Jesus into your heart for the first time or rededicated your life to the Lord, I want to congratulate you. I want to welcome you to the family of God. If you did so, would you do me a favor? You can either fill out what we call our connection card. It's a hard card. We have them back on the back tables in the lobby, outside in the courtyard, and also in the back of the sanctuary. And on the back of that connection card is a, an area that says, My Next Steps, and it just, in, just indicate that you gave your heart to Christ. Give me your information. I want to reach out to you. I won't bug you, but I want to encourage you in your faith. I want to find out if you need a Bible. We've got believers Bibles that we want to give you if you don't have a Bible. And then if you rededicated your life to, uh, to the Lord this morning, please do the same thing. You can do that digitally as well. You can text the word pray to the number you see on the screen. And that'll start a process where I'm going to encourage you in your faith. Well, God bless you. I want you to stand to your feet right now as the praise team closes us. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Hey, listen, walk in God's health. It's uh, cold and flu season and COVID and all those kinds of crazy things that are going on. And that's where we're at. But stay healthy. Take care of your temple. Take care of your, your, your body, your home. And get well. Spend some time in prayer. And then as you get well this week, and others that you know that are down this week, as they get well, invite others. We've got two services now, and as you can see, we can spread out and we can make this happen. Amen? Amen. God bless.